you hear about these uh, Dutch torture chambers, Max? No. What are you talking about, Dude. Dutch torture chambers? Oh, man. These Dorch. They're, they're these Dorch. The Dorch. <laughs> <laughs> these Dutch torture chambers mm-hmm. are the rave, man. Uh, they And something that honestly could have been in a really weird subplot um, discarded by the writers of The Wire for season two. Uh, <laughs> at the docks yeah some dutch port town they they opened up one of these like craters you know what i'm talking about like shipping crates and inside yeah. fucking dutch torture chamber man they're widespread they are everywhere wait they're in shipping containers we need more context you you, you put it in the context of season two <laughs> of the wire they opened up a shipping container and there's a dorch uh torture chamber right, right. <laughs> in a shipping container somewhere chamber, and there's yeah. a lot of them yeah so yeah. a lot of information here none of which uh contextually uh makes any sense you're saying it's not up to you it's not up but to I, me to provide con- i mean what do you want to know they're I mean, finding these <laughs> dutch torture chambers <laughs> how do they know they're dutch who's being tortured who's in, doing the torturing it's in the dutch world wherever holland it's all in these holland ports it's in the Holland. Dutch world. Yeah. The Holland ports. The ports so it's in the ports. Are they like uh, being shipped around like they're traveling torture chambers or are they stationary like they're in the stacks? Oh, they're, they're always there. No, they're traveling. traveling. It's like a road show, but yep. on the ocean. Yep. Yep. Just going port to port, torturing away. Dude, it's happening. I Look, I'm not I here. Mean, you're, you're the one who brought this up. And I just want a little bit more information so I can understand. I mean, there's not more. I mean, like, first of all, what else do you need to know? I mean, it's if I say Dutch torture chamber. I think I laid out pretty clearly what else <laughs> I need to know. I don't know what more you I just, need from me. It's the kind of thing that on name alone, you should be like, I don't know, man. Fuck it. Like, maybe humanity was a mistake. Dutch torture oh, is chambers. That, is, that, is that where we were going? So you brought up Dutch torture chambers as the lead into maybe humanity was a mistake. We don't have any other shining examples of that right now. No, I think this is the biggest one. Dutch torture chamber. Because you think of the Dutch, look, the Dutch, I think, are one of the first, like, I'm pretty sure it's Holland, figured out, like, hey, we don't have any homeless. And you're like, what? Yeah, zero homeless. Like, they just don't have homeless. They figured that out. They have a high quality of life. What's up with these Dutch torture chambers, I mean, is it state-sponsored? Is it the Dutch government doing it? No, no, no. This isn't like Chinese murder vans. No, see, I agree. Like, if this was a Wikipedia article where it's like, see also, Chinese murder vans would be underneath that. That's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. This is not state-sponsored. This is fucking dark web, man. This is the, these are the kingmakers in, 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 in Holland fucking deciding where these Dutch torture chambers are going to be. Wait, these are the kingmakers? That's what I think. <laughs> I'm suspecting the dark web? It. Yeah, no, these are the Epsteins of Holland. You know what I mean? Like the people who really run shit, who have pedophile island and stuff, but they don't. Have I feel money like for you you read the first paragraph of an article somewhere, and now you're just bringing this up on our podcast without much more information. I, uh, you know, this is what bothers me. You think that I'm an amateur who does that, and you know, sure, occasionally. <laughs> I've this shot is what bothers hip. you consistently. This is the first time I've accused you of this, but go on. Sometimes I've shot from the hip, sure, admittedly, but most of the time I do my research, all right? Dutch police discover secret torture site in shipping containers, okay? Okay. 
Authorities in the Netherlands have discovered an apparent torture site hidden inside shipping containers, which were lined with soundproofing material and filled with assumed torture devices. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because they say assumed torture devices. Like, like, is the picture is a fucking like soundproof thing and like, like a dentist chair with like straps and stirrups and shit like that. Already horrific, but they're like assumed torture devices. Go. But I mean, hey, maybe we don't know. Maybe it was just they were doing some cool surgery, some cool consensual surgery, you know? <laughs> you think like the like the black market uh, like livers and, and based on the information you've just given me maybe the you know somebody's like hey i don't need both of my kidneys take one and they're like okay sure here's fifty thousand dollars oh man this could be like a border dispute this is on the dutch belgian border so now fucking mm. this is a vast international intrigue right because at first this is small potatoes this is just happening how thick is a border <laughs> thick as it has to be you know what i'm saying i'm <laughs> serious like what, what is it is it just like a thin it's just a thin line of de- a demarcation or is there is there like a middle ground there where it's like a no man's land no i'm sure you're asking like how precise the uh the, the actual like topographical line of the, yeah. of the border right because like we don't really do that we de- we delineate that in one specific part like where the highway decides to cross the state line we're like right. that's it not taking into account fucking true west or or the curvature of the earth like you can't walk in a straight line on the border like you would right. have to constantly be correcting right yeah ain't no straight lines in nature <laughs> unless you're in the city of angles as we as we once discovered as we uh, discovered, yeah. dutch belgian border on june 22nd so they actually arrested six people but they found six shipping containers which had been converted to what are believed to be prison cells as well as a stash of weaponry including pruning shears and loppers i'm unfamiliar with what a lopper is max do you have any idea what a lopper is yeah you use it to lop well, see, they, uh, that's the thing it's that, that that would be the easy answer occam's razor would say yeah but is it like is that like a cute colloquial like Belgian way of like saying an axe? You know, they don't call it an axe. They're like, no, it's a lopper. Like historically, we use this to lop off heads. I mean, uh, probably more like to lop off branches and, and things, I would guess. You know, it's probably like a smaller axe type situation or uh, some kind of blade uh, that they were using on people, I, I would presume. Fun topic, by the way. No, I think it's a wonderful topic. Listen, in, in each of the cells, okay, handcuffs were attached to the ceiling and floor in order to be able to chain someone standing up with their arms raised. The rooms were finished with noise-isolating panels and heat-insulating foil. Well, that's thoughtful. It's like, yeah, you're going to be a sex slave, but it's going to be climate-controlled, Shorty. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we're going to take care of you there. So you think this sex slave thing on top of a torture thing? Oh, was yeah. was the torture part? Was it, like, hostile? It's, it's just like, oh, like get, get your rocks off by torturing somebody. Well, all jokes aside, because I know like I'm, I'm being really lax about this. The first thing I yeah. thought of was like, you're you being, know, you're being very cavalier about this whole I'm Dutch not torture. Being cavalier about it. I'm thinking about it from it as much that like we're living in a world now that when people like I just got into an argument with like an ex-girlfriend who's become a total creep fucking Trumper. And mm. like they're living on a different planet because they believe all these conspiracy things. And it reminded me of like Watchmen where like the whole premise of this last Watchmen season was like, it's a vast like international left-wing conspiracy. That's so ridiculous. It can't possibly be true, but it is <laughs> like, that's kind of where my mind went with it. And then, so the first thing I heard about this and I'm just like, you know what? Maybe the world is just run by a secret society of fucking rich people, you know? Like, I like to think all the time that that's a dumb thing. But I think this shit probably happens way more often than we 
would care to admit like oh you think that there's just a, a power center like a cabal of very wealthy elites who are pulling the strings literally just above us and you know just, i'm not uh, saying that necessarily you know, uh, but illuminati but, types i'm not saying that but i'm saying something like when we watched under the silver lake and it's all these assholes being like we were the modern pharaohs like people with enough money to like at least be a part of a small fraternity that may not be exerting much like world fucking like i don't think everyone's sitting around a glowing orb and and and, and you know deciding what happens but i do think that like the right. rules they retired apply. the orb about 60 years ago now they just uh they just <laughs> the, the, the orb is is pretense what are we doing there you know what i mean like we can just right. call this what it is no but what i'm saying is like if you have like a billion dollars you can effectively buy a shipping yard if you wanted to buy a bunch right. of fucking shipping containers if you wanted to i you know you know what i'm saying like and you could conceivably be this horrific monster without any recourse or anyone finding that out because you're a billionaire you want to diversify your portfolio you want to have a little yeah. bit of everything I mean, going on epstein bro i mean yeah i mean the epstein example is apt you know i mean he got taken out what so who's this woman i don't i haven't paid attention Gis, to this Epstein Gis enough. Lane maxwell yeah do something. you want to explain this to me before we get back to dutch torture I, chambers i can't explain it beyond the fact that she apparently helped facilitate a lot of the uh, transactional sex that was happening between epstein and minors hmm. uh orchestrating a lot of these parties and get-togethers but i i don't know and that's just me Again, you know, going back to our theme of casually reading headlines and not much more, else, like not much else. I haven't really looked into the Epstein thing because I'm just exhausted by it. Like I'm already exhausted. Like I, it's just sort of one of those things where it's all pure speculation. And I just kind of want to see where it goes. I want to see how this, this shit plays out, you know? Well, I mean, so, so that woman who got arrested is like, I'm going to name names. I, I think that that's the thinking is that she's going to be able to link epstein to all these other powerful people like uh fucking trump or whoever you know all these other billies well well and well and that's my thing it's like who are we going to be surprised if they're on there because i i think and it's stupid because it's like these people who don't really have independent thought they're just sharing whatever leftist group that they're in i say leftist not as a pejorative just as a fact of matter um mm -hmm. but it's like conservative yeah well <laughs> you know what i'm saying though right like i i i I, they're they're just posting something, but it's not untrue. Which is like, you know, it's it's a sad state of affairs when both parties' supporters are trying to produce pictures of their candidate or the other candidate with Jeffrey Epstein, like trying to make the point, like, see, like, hey guys, it's a fake uh, fake dichotomy. Like these guys are totally on the same team, and the and the common goal between the parties is just to rob the Americans blind. Which, like, at right. times, it's so easy to buy into that cynicism. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like you didn't think of that. You're being told what to think, and I like I despise that, even if it's like on the right side. Like, you know, does that make sense? Like, you always want independent people to be not cynical, but certainly inquisitive, and like and 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 have your eyes open and question authority and make sure that you're getting the right answers but when the propaganda machine's working just because it's working on the side that i prefer doesn't mean i'm any less disgusted by it you know sure i i think that people just tend to uh you know try to find patterns where there might not be patterns and this is where this conspiracy shit goes and that's why i'm kind of disengaging from the epstein thing altogether um, and as you said, it's it's disingenuous to say that, uh, you know, oh, well, here's a picture of fucking Biden or something. I don't know if Biden's ever been linked to Epstein. Um, here's a picture of Trump. And it's like uh, using 
the opposite side's candidate to vilify them. Uh, also, somebody like Epstein, it, it, he, he's, he's this uh, power broker. He's this very wealthy, elitist dude. And just because somebody's in a photo with him doesn't mean that they also, you know, had sex with kids. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, that's why I'm waiting. I'm going to wait and see how it plays out. Not making any judgments here. I think that this kind of thing gets people's conspiratorial, you know, reptilian part of their brain running wild because we don't know a lot. And they, uh, they want to cling to some form of certainty. Like, oh, yeah, that Epstein was doing all this shit. It's like, I don't know. I keep saying, man, I think Tom Hanks is the one. I think he's finally going to go down you for this. You think he's the mastermind? I don't think he's the mastermind, but he's the fucking Goebbels of the you know, operation. You, I, I, we've talked about this very recently, but, <laughs> but you, you always come at me for, for being harsh on Hanks, you know? But, but you've been the harshest of either of us. You've accused him now of uh, a pedophilia ring. I'm not. Okay. I <laughs> you said he was like that. a medium talent before. He's like, a fine. God damn! You said he's, the best he was was in Turner and Hooch, and now you're yep. saying he's the the ringleader behind the whole Epstein debacle. I look. I'm not saying that. If that's what you heard, and you want to investigate based on what that did what did Tom Hanks do to you, dude? What the fuck did he do? He didn't do anything. Exactly. To me. What I'm saying is that like that's the one that I think America's still like. Oh man, if there's America's ever going to be like, yeah, like or I, that would I, just. I, you think that would break us? He's like the modern day Mister Rogers. A part of me thinks that's why he's gone hard. Think about how sweet and gentle Tom Hanks always is and how he doesn't really get into the fray. And even Trump supporters still like Tom Hanks because, hey, he's Tom Hanks, right? right? But now he's like, put on your fucking mask or whatever. <laughs> he's going hard. And I think that's because he's trying to ingratiate himself with the people that like love him on the right side of the politics because right. I, think he's, I think he sees it. I think, like, if not, what I'm saying is, like, even if there's a picture of him, whether he fucked a child or not, okay, uh, which I don't think he did. But like to your point, which is like if there's someone photographed with him, we live in a day and age now where that's all we need to vilify that person forever. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or like I fully expect Oprah and a bunch of other rich, wealthy, fucking powerful people to have taken photographs with this dude because that's what rich, wealthy people do. Yeah. They hang out with other rich, wealthy people and take photographs. Right. Yeah. They, they have parties. They get photographed. Go, oh, it's a gala. Oh, we spent $70,000 a plate on this stupid fundraiser for cleft palates or something. You know, it's a joke. Being rich is a joke. Tell me how you really feel, man. I mean, do you do you do think you, I just did? Do you do you hear about this cashless proposal? They're trying to go cashless, man. What? Oh, yeah. Much like previous story about Dutch torture chambers i can't tell you that i read this but i will tell you that like the scuttlebutt is that uh they're trying to propose a completely cashless um currency like mm. digital currency only for the u.s economy which is weird not from what i understand not always and again please take everything i'm saying with a grain of salt but uh, in order to try to combat the pandemic that like paper oh, dollars cause, are cause money carries yeah. germs and cocaine yeah. on it right. and probably feces and other things, you know, the fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, money is gross. That is technically true. It's got it's cocaine on it. It does. Listen, I, once I thought that has to be someone's job to just take all the dollars in circulation every now and then and just, just like run them through the like a low rinse cycle or something well they definitely scrape the cocaine residue if you do that for like a thousand bills you'll have like you know 
a line. You know what I'm just saying? Just like, like one nebbish, like DeVito in stature, like man in a basement, <laughs> just scraping individual dollar bills. That's all he does all day, every day. Well, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a kid and for whatever reason, you're just going around like snorting dollar bills for no reason. And there's any residue on there. <laughs> like, how much does it take to get you fucked up well, as a kid? Snor- snorting dollar bill, like as in you're a child and you're you're cutting it up like it's cocaine, or you're rolling it up like you're doing cocaine, and then you actually get some real cocaine in there. It's way more innocuous. All right, they're just oh, it's a straw. I made a straw out of a dollar. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, right. oh, I can put a straw up my nose. Whoops, I just did cocaine, and I'm four. That's you know how saying? it works. It happens. That is how sometimes. cocaine works. That's how you get your first taste sometimes, but we don't talk about. That's it, how man. they get them. That's how they get them hooked. That's by design. I think that those dollars coming off of the press all have a little bit of cocaine on them because they're hoping. Right off the you bat. Know? Yeah, when Reagan brought the cocaine in with, uh, you know, Oliver North or whoever the fuck, he said, "We're gonna put cocaine on all of the money." in the world get all the children in the world hooked on cocaine then make it super illegal (laughs) what would be the bigger conspiracy if they came out and admitted that or if like we found out that our coins have been made with lead for the last hundred years i think the cocaine thing would be a much bigger (laughs) scandal dude well hold on hold on the lead (laughs) all right i'm holding the lead lead. Look, is lead poisoning? Yeah, man. Look, there used to be fucking lead in the gasoline, right? Like our whole lives, we've seen unleaded, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Right. Like, why do they have to specify at this point? It's been unleaded for 50 years. I agree. Also, fucking the lead paint, right? You know, when I was working in Brooklyn doing the real estate, there would have to be the uh, the the disclosure form if there was any lead lead in the and there's lead in these walls. Well, and that's my point. So it's like if they just made currencies that were you're going around keeping in their pockets, you know what I mean, the whole time. Then what? What's the deal with lead? It like gets it's is it like mercury? It gets into your skin or something? You breathe it in? Like what, is that what's what mercury the deal? What's, does? What's, what's the problem? Yeah, dude. Mercury I don't know anything about like, mercury. The only thing I ever know, uh, and it's like it's the funniest joke of a really bad movie, is that Kung Kung is it Kung Pao? The uh, Enter the, the Fist. fist. Yeah. There's well, there's two really good jokes in that movie, but the one that I like is she's like keeps touching his hand, like, "Do you feel this? Do you feel this?" And at some point, she breaks a thermometer and pours mercury on him, and it just cuts back to it being like, "You just poured mercury on me," and it's the line delivery because you're like, "Oh my god, she just poured mercury on him." I don't know what that does. I I, I saw mercury rising as a kid. Is that the same thing? <laughs> like. I don't think that that's what that film is about, but you know, it's been a while. Uh, I think that <laughs> so Mercury. I just Brett, Bruce Willis on jet skis. That's all I know about that fucking movie. Mercury has like a super low boiling point, which is why it's liquid. It's a liquid metal, and if it comes in contact with your skin, it can get into your skin and bloodstream easily, um, and cause like severe problems. You know, because if that shit gets into your veins and into your bloodstream, then you're passing actual metal through your body. So that's why mercury poisoning is such a big deal. You could also aspirate it because it's just such a fucking liquid substance, you know? Okay. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. First of all, I mean, is that Colossus? Is that how Colossus and X-Men became an X-Men? Because that seems amazing. I I know that like kings and pharaohs back in the day used to drink it because they thought it had magical properties and it just killed them. Or it ascended them with the magical property. I mean, it does. It looks cool as fuck. It looks like the T2 guy from T2 uh, Judgment Day. Right. But all the time. But 
but is there any way that we can't or does it eat through everything now i just want to walk around with a coat i mean the 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 thing about our skin is that it has a bunch of holes in it so you know if we could close those up we could probably interact with it just fine but otherwise now we're fucked i made dolores watch the skin i live in this weekend finally how'd she like it finally you've been trying to push that one on her for a while to be fair when i was watching it i was like oh yeah oh yeah maybe this isn't (laughs) the the, the movie really keeps escalating in the uncomfortable situation until it really hits that fever pitch it was a surprising movie i'll say that didn't expect it to go where it went it goes places uh and one of those places though is like fake skin that is so thick that like bugs can't penetrate it and shit like that fire can't burn it yeah i want that bug proof skin well like why not us you know what i mean like why not because i think the ethical dilemma there in that movie for people who haven't seen it it's a film by pedro almodovar uh is that like what is it called transgenesis where you're where you're you're mixing dna which is something we do all the time i feel like in labs i don't know why we're hoity fucking toity about it what no like gmos baby monsanto they're trying to turn us all into frog people <laughs> is that the is that the issue with like gmos we look at that as different we're like well it's made in a lab it's artificial it doesn't really matter but the minute exactly. you cross the human stream it becomes a problem i guess i don't know i don't know what people's it's a lot of unfounded fears about gmos they're mostly fine bananas are automatically gmos bananas come with inedible large seeds in them naturally right and you they can't plant them you can't plant them seeds, get a banana tree in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, that's how seeds work. But, like, you don't want to eat that, right? You don't want to deal with that every time you open up a banana. Wait, wait, wait. Can I legitimately grow bananas in my backyard? Or is it a, it's yes, a climate Yes, if thing. the climate is correct, you can <laughs> okay. grow banana, like any plant. It follows general plant rules. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got plant questions. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that if I plant a seed, something will grow maybe? If no, I mean a right. banana. I thought like like my point is like you don't. Where do you think bananas? bananas come from? Do you think they just fall Columbia? from the sky? Fucking like other <laughs> places, like different. My mom places. has a. My mom actually is dealing with a problem with a neighbor. Uh, her the neighbor uh, across from her in the backyard has a banana tree that's growing over the fence and has dropped enough banana pods that it started a new banana tree. And they're super dirty plants. They attract bugs. They shed a lot of leaves and stuff, and she's super upset about it. And I'm like, Mom, just talk to the lady. Be like, hey, you're dropping banana crap all over my yard. Can you stop? And she's like, ah, it's fine. Are you lying to me right now? And I'm, I'm, I've Why, never of seen all a- the things that I could lie about. Why would I lie about this? Because I've never seen a banana in the wild, man. Like, you're talking about this. Like, like this is my Bigfoot. Like, I've, I've, I've walked my whole life. Wait, wanting to see a banana in the wild. I didn't know they, I, I didn't think they could grow here. I thought is they were it, all in Colombia and shit. This is, this is like adorable and fascinating, honestly. Like, yeah, man, bananas are all over the South, dude. They're, they're what? fucking. Yeah. No! How is this possible? <laughs> they're mostly like a green and shitty looking, but yeah, yeah, they're, they're everywhere, man. All over Florida, like everywhere. This is really blowing my mind, man. I don't know what to tell you. I was just like, all right, what are fruits that are native? I don't know. You can grow an apple tree anywhere. You can do uh, some oranges. You can do all that shit. And then, like, when it came to bananas, I was like, I don't know, Africa, uh, like, Colombia. I don't know, Africa. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know that they originated here or whatever probably not but they they brought them over and you know it's there's enough tropical shit going on in florida that the bananas are like yeah i can do this 
What's the best fruit? <laughs> What's the best fucking fruit? Even for my dumb questions. I love I that we we started with torture chambers and Epstein sex case, and we've just descended into what's the best fruit? Uh, I don't know, man. I've been digging mangoes recently. Mangoes are pretty lit. Mangoes are dumb. Dude, they're refreshing. They're juicy. They're nutritious. That's all I got. I mean, there's a lot of great fruits. Like, why are we ranking fruits? You know, that's like pick your favorite child. I, if I had, I mean, I do. I prefer one dog over the other. Which dog? Penny? Uh, Penny is way cooler than people. I mean, let's be perfectly clear about this. And that's not me being shitty. I love them both, but I like one way more. I don't uh, know. When, once Penny got more confident, I was more on Bebo's side. Penny, really? Penny got way too presumptuous. Bebo is always nervous, always confused, <laughs> always doing his best, you know, and I appreciate that about him. I, I see a lot of myself that, in man. Bebo. It was really interesting because uh, this is 4th of July weekend. We're recording this on the first Tuesday after the 4th. Uh, and me and Dolores, we left LA. We went to Desert Hot Springs, or as the uh, the old couple who we stayed at, they called it Desert Pot Springs, and they like winked at me, and then they gave me a whole lesson about how pot was first legal in Desert Hot Springs. Why are, why what, were they winking at you? Why not just you know, and then immediately launch into a literal explanation of what they meant by that? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I. I, I it came off as a very well rehearsed uh, thing. Like the woman has done this a lot, obviously. And I got to mm. tell you, I love this couple. Uh, one, they, they both used to work within the industry. They tell me, but like the woman was, you could tell she had done this a bunch and she had a, like a well oiled speech. She knew how to get through it. And she probably does this on her own more often than not. This time her husband came with her and her husband was adorable because everything that she would say, he would feel the need to, jump in and add context to it and she's like trying to move on like a two minute like hey here's the place turned into a 20 minute endeavor uh and it was so fucking cute and his mask kept falling and she's like put your mask on <laughs> like it became this thing it was really fucking cute man i, I don't I, I love them oh that's adorable man so, so you went to a really hot place and smoked some things is yeah, well that's the weird thing about that too which is like it was 105 degrees on the fourth but yeah. it's a desert heat. It's literally in the middle of the fucking desert. Uh, mm. And it didn't feel as bad as when it's like 85 degrees here in LA. And I wonder if that's like smog or it's like a little bit more humid in LA, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, like the humidity in New York is pretty similar to Florida in a lot of weird ways. Like, uh, and I, I hate it. I hate humidity. I think dry heat. I can take it all day, baby. It's fine. Yeah, Just yeah, drink I'll, water. That was my whole thing. So I was like able to basically not beat the heat, but I was fine with it. You know what I mean? Uh, and it was cool to like not have the dogs around. And this particular place was amazing because we uh, like it had a grand piano in the living room. So I just played that a bunch and like we read books, which was great because like I love reading and we so often we don't just take the hour to fucking read a day that we should because uh, we're too busy reading all on the interwebs. Uh, then we watched a lot of cool movies. I showed Dolores five easy pieces. But let me tell you, Joe Dante's Piranha was probably the winner of the of the weekend. I saw her birthday post about, oh, it's, uh, I'm watching the Piranha because it's my day or something like that. And I was like, okay. Yeah, you forgot it, her day. Don't think I forgot that you forgot. 
I mean, you know, I don't have her birthday memorized yet. I'm sorry. I'll make a note of it. But I did wish her a belated birthday, and she did not respond to it. So uh, it's it's whatever. I oh, get that it. was I'm a bit. Work. I told her to ignore you, <laughs> to, so I could be like, "You're dead to her." <laughs> um, but yeah, so we watched Piranha Man. And if you haven't watched this, holy shit! I know you have, but like anyone listening, this movie is a masterpiece in the worst kind of way. Like everything that can be wrong with a movie, and yet right at the movie, it's like um, someone described this to me, like a musician can fake playing badly meaning that they have to know the song well enough to know what key and like where not to go in notes necessarily but also like be able to intentionally play the thing poorly so it's still recognizable as a bad version of the solo you would know you know what i'm saying and it's like watching piranha was that it was just like this wasn't like on accident they didn't cut this movie and it turned out to be this glorious thing joe dante's just a fucking genius uh and of all of those weird uh like you know jaws ripoffs that we got at the time it's definitely the best one but then fucking horrified to find out that piranha 2 directed by james cameron maybe everyone else knew this but james cameron's first movie is piranha 2 which i believe is about flying piranhas right and on the strength of that a studio is like we trust you with our money (laughs) <laughs> with that i mean that's the thing it's like like did joe dante like what did he do right after that i mean he did the haunting i think and then and then a couple years later he did gremlins so it's not like immediately he went on to like high profile shit i'm looking it up you know power of the internet can answer this question immediately uh yeah he did piranha rock and roll high school co-directed mm-hmm. with alan arkish uncredited the howling uh twilight zone the movie then gremlins so six year span before gremlins but he got there I, my point is that he's a fucking genius who intentionally made something look like a bad film that was so bad that it was good but that's the mm. trick is that it was just good the whole time he didn't have to do the the crossing over four times to get to that logic he was just already there it's kind right. of a fucking lovely film, which is weird about a movie about piranhas. I mean, Joe Dante is wonderful. Like, uh, fucking Small Soldiers, like, we all forget. We all wrote that movie off, you know, uh, as a, it was just a dumb kids movie where the toys come to life. Pretty, pretty solid little satire. You know, pretty uh, solid little uh, kind of gremlin style, uh, you know, riff for a new generation. Who's to say? Uh, Joe Dante is a fucking sweetheart. America's sweetheart, I, I would say. Move over, move aside, Tom Hanks. Uh, we got a Joe Dante in the mix. He is, like, uh, unbelievably sweet, too. Every interview with Joe Dante, he is so soft-spoken and so so nice. So, so, so appreciative. Fucking adorable, yeah. Uh, it got me thinking about the Jaws trilogy, though, because I was... I was Because watching it, like, clearly, every shot, even the score, to an extent, is... It, it, it evokes that jaws kind of feeling right like mm. oh the thing under the water the the re- repetitive score and then i was like man jaws one is so good that when you start to think about the jaws trilogy and abstract it's fucking insane because like we all go back to like jaws for the revenge now this time it's personal sure 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 but like before we even get there it's like the second one takes place and it's still brody but brody's kid is like now 12 years older and and uh, like there's a boating competition or something and they kill jaws because of a giant electric wire that's in the middle of the ocean i think is the subplot it doesn't make too much yeah, sense i mean but, like that's where some wires are what's the problem 
Okay, sure. I can forgive it. It's a little wacky, but I can forgive it. But then the third movie comes, and this is where it gets fucking insane to me, too. Because, again, the, the fourth one is always the butt of the joke. But the third one has, like, Dennis Quaid in it and Oscar winner Louis Gossett Jr. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's trying to be, interestingly enough, what Spielberg would do a couple of years later, I think five years later, it's trying to do, like, a Jurassic Park thing. The whole premise of that one is they, they bring a great white, they bring Jaws into a sea world. And, right. and isn't that Lewis, the one with the underwater uh kind of park and they have like all the glass whatever and then the sharks just bursting through and just snatching well, up it also has stuff. the greatest set piece ever before they made jaws 3d they went back and they put a fucking you know 3d shark in there there's just like a very famous scene of everyone like very slow-mo looking at the glass as a cardboard cut out of a shark and mind you like spielberg nailed this 14 years earlier somehow but right. this third one couldn't do it. And I'm just looking at this movie like Gossett's in this and Quaid's in this. And like they spent money. Like what the fuck happened to this franchise? And like I believe Spielberg's still a producer on that movie. So I, it's weird that how like considering how great that first one is, he kind of like let that franchise go really, away. <laughs> really biffed it. Yeah. Yeah. He just was like, I, I don't know. At that point, if I was Spielberg, I would just be like, yeah, I'm not going to like I'd produce it, but I would leave my name off of it. I would use a pseudonym like. Uh, Stefan uh, spell spell boy Borg. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Any eagle eye detectives out there? Like, I don't know who's this Stefan spell Borg guy. It's kind of weird, right? Like Steven Spielberg directed the first one. Right. And now there's a producer named Stefan. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he's I just mean, like, it, it, it it would give him like a carte blanche to just produce a bunch of garbage. You know, just you know, trashy exploitation. Just get his friends bullshit. Work. Yeah. yeah, like we and, all demonize Adam Sandler off. for that, but that's what he's done. He's found a way to just to get his friends work, and I, you know, way, we, I like we it. demonized him, but at this point, can we really be mad at the guy? You know, like uh, whatever. Like he's he admits it freely. He's not a con man. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to put blatant product placement in my films. I'm going to make them as trashy and shitty as possible. Right. And I'm going to get my uh, David Spade some work. The poor guy, he's he's dying out there. He's could we cr- could we could we cross over the Stefan Spellborg universe with the Adam Sandler one? Because like, if you're gonna remake mm. Jaws, which inevitably, look, they may be waiting out the clock on Spielberg to die, you know, before they actually try to remake right. that fucking thing. But you know, it's gonna happen at some point. It's the most influential fucking movie, maybe ever. Top ten, certainly, I would say. Uh, I, I just why, why not, man? Sandler as the shark and Brody dual role, man. Okay, Oscar I was gonna bait. say like is Sandler gonna be the shark? I mean, you could put Kevin James in there as like the lead, but he's like a bumbling security guard, you know, just reprise his role as uh, Paul Blart Mall cop. Well, look, I look, I hear, I hear you. You got Kevin James, you got Paul Blart sitting on the bench. Your first impulse is to put him in, but if you wanted to do a faithful adaptation of Jaws, you would need to bring in the whole like Happy Madison crew. Buscemi's got to be in there. You oh yeah, I mean? no, I wasn't gonna stop Paul Blart. Don't you dare get me wrong. Well, then pitch me, baby. Buscemi is gonna get in there. He's gonna be the mayor. You know, he's gonna be like, "Whoa, we're we're not gonna close down this shark mall." You know, and then uh, maybe- <laughs> shark mall. Things have really progressed in Amity Island since the first. Well, one. well, you know, like malls are going out of business. They're going out of style. So what does Steve Buscemi do? He right. he he decides. You know, what do malls need now? They need an element of danger. Let's put sharks <laughs> everywhere. Open people tanks. called him crazy. People called him crazy, but he was like, "I'm the Carnegie of this fucking island, man." <laughs> Just constantly puffing away on cigars, wearing cheap suits. You know. <laughs> Just, we need more sharks. 
Um, so it's like a shark. It's like deep blue sea. So there's a lot of sharks. There's more than just one. Okay. We got to. Okay. Can we talk about deep blue sea and we need to get back to our Jaws remake? But deep blue sea, I think is very interesting because when I was thinking about Jaws 3, that's when I started to figure out like, oh, okay. Uh, what the fuck? Deep blue sea is all three of the Jaws films put into one movie. If you think about how they are killed and done masterfully i mean tom jane though you know what i'm saying and if nothing else in a world where object impermanence is like ever present the fact that sam jackson getting eaten by a shark like mm-hmm. is what's lasted the sands of time so far i think is pretty impressive man like, i mean it's like one a- of the best moments in all of modern cinema christian i don't know <laughs> it sounds stupid. what else could top it it yeah. sounds stupid but i'm not kidding i remember being in the theaters when that scene happened to be like whoa the fuck because right. that was a weird year like you know hollywood does this thing like oh you'll get like dual movies you'll get like armageddon and deep impact and shit like that and that was like lake placid versus a uh, deep blue sea those came out i believe within like six months of each other uh mm-hmm. you had to take your pick but deep blue sea was so fucking strange to me uh even though it had <laughs> memeable moments in tom jane it's like the first one gets killed the same way right like a like an oxygen tank or whatever they shoot or no no it's the bird right you killed my bird but the premise yeah. of that is the same, which is gas, fire, blows up shark man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second one is the woman, yeah, fucking 90s movies, has to get naked to avoid the shark. She's not fully naked, mind you, but she's like strips down so she could break a wire. Don't know why that was necessary. And then it right. electrocutes a much It's like that possible. Metal Gear character who had to like be practically naked because she breathes through her skin or something. It's like, get, get the fuck out of here, Hideo Kojima. You it's part perv. of the story. It's part of the story. Okay. <laughs> no. No. All right. But but then the third one, and I don't even really fucking remember. Doesn't Tom Jane get fucking eaten? That's all I remember about Deep Blue Sea is the the final part of it is Tom Jane is swimming, trying to distract the shark, and the shark swimming and stops. Okay. It fucking yeah. stops. It re it like fucking like bitch. I know you. It locks in. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, oh shit. Maybe this like maybe you. they're gonna. Be I food. am you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought, man. Because up. he. He, he rode that fucking shark earlier in the movie in Deep Blue Sea, and you're like, oh, shit, man. He's just going to ride the shark again. They call him Shark Rider. You know what I'm saying? But no, this thing then, like, side-eats him, and he gets split in two, and you see Tom Jane separate from his the bottom half, and then the shark eats him, and you're like, man, this is fucked up. And then I think, how did they kill him? This, didn't they kill the, Jaws the same way in Jaws 3 that they did in Jaws 1? It was just a rehash of, like, oh, he's got a bomb in his mouth. But if we could just... You have a much more encyclopedic uh, memory of these films than I do. I don't fucking remember. I know that they win eventually. <laughs> oh, God, you don't, you don't remember trash movies of the 90s? Like, I love I mean, that I shit, man. I, I mainly remember Sam Jackson getting eaten uh, by, you know, a shark that defies the laws of physics. <laughs> and then somebody talking about his bird and uh some other kill stuff my bird ah, that's yeah, that's the lot of the year man come on dude i mean you know it's weird because i remember those those movies so well like i really like the haunting uh mm-hmm. which is not a good movie but it's no, kind it's of not but it's it kind is. of awesome because oh, like, it's kind of awesome but it's also a total bastardization of the original text oh god because like the, the great thing about that original book and the film is that you know the, the haunting isn't really happening it's all like a psychological experiment but in the movie it's just like it's actually happening it's actually haunted it's like the dumbest fucking direction they could have taken it in but i love that movie when i was nine dude i I mean it's so spooky you got liam neeson up in that bitch you got owen wilson up in that bitch Catherine zeta up in that bitch i mean it was a who's who's of has-beens you know 
Uh, well, with respect to Liam, who's still fighting wolves and shit. Um, but but like I love that movie because it's precisely like '90s trash. Lake Placid is another bad movie that is so funny that they made that because I'll never forget one part of that movie, which is the whole movie is about a killer crocodile alligator way mm-hmm. in Lake Placid, way higher than it should be, uh, and and they kill like they they're trying to kill one of them, and then suddenly a second gator shows up. Like, it's a plot point with 10 minutes left in the fucking movie, Max, right? And, like, and, and he's like, oh, my God, there's a second one. And then they just shoot, like, a grenade launcher into his mouth, and the, the alligator explodes. And then it's a pithy one-liner for the guy to be like, back to one. And I'm oh, like, you man. could just do that the whole fucking movie? Like, what's the, what's the iron? What's the conflict here, man? I mean, the conflict is that there's an alligator that's trying to eat people, right? Yeah, but, that, but my point is they introduce a second one with 10 minutes left in it, and they kill him so quickly that it's kind of like, oh, you could have just shot this alligator. Like, right. This didn't like, seem why, like too why, Like, you could have excised this from the movie altogether. We'd be fine. We'd still have a killer alligator. I don't know. I never saw it. I never saw Lake Placid. Oh, man. You're missing out on a real... Am I? Should I watch it right now? The visual feast, a zestful lark into the darkness, into the abyss of man. Facts. And gators, I guess. <laughs> and ga- the gators are an afterthought. It's really like a treaty on like the, the the war for the human soul. It's like, look, it's grizzly man about bears. There's it about men. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. It's about both, sure, but more one than the other. In a literal way, it's about both. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, what what'd you do this weekend, man? You you did Fourth of July. How was that in New York? And uh, I worked. Oh, it's okay. I read Frederick Douglass's What Does Fourth of July Mean to the Slave? And mm-hmm. you're like, ah, yeah, this is kind of bullshit. Why do we celebrate this? Like, what not is- to be that guy. I'm not trying to be like hipster, like, bro, come on. But it's right. true. It's like, maybe we should probably, like, Juneteenth should be kind of the new Fourth of July. Yeah, I mean, when you look into, the, like, the Founding Fathers, the more and more I learn about them, the more I'm just like, hey, they sucked. All of them, pretty much. Except yeah. Ben Franklin, but that's mainly because I don't want to learn anything bad about him. He's right. fucking awesome. He was a polymath. Some he was drunk all the time. Are, are too precious to get smeared in the mud, you know? Yeah, but the rest of them, fuck them. I mean, John Adams was kind of cool. I'm watching that John Adams, uh, uh, Paul Giamatti thing on HBO uh, lately, and I watched Hamilton also. I've been doing a lot of founding fathers stuff, you know. Mm. And uh, John Adams was I, you know, he didn't yeah. own any slaves. Giamatti is good as John Adams. John Adams apparently was like a weird obstructionist racist bastard. But, you know, of the time, all of them are. I, I, don't, I mean, what, I think he was less racist than the rest of them, though, wasn't he? I'm sure. But what are we talking about when we say that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's less racist than the other one. Because the right. people are trying to come in Hamilton now, and it's like, all right, guys, calm down. Like, Hamilton didn't own slaves. Like, you could say that. I'm not saying mm. he wasn't passively a part of it. I know that his family, like, uh, the yeah, there's there's Skyler. some like contention that that he did though like there's some there's some evidence to say that he at least bought a couple and definitely facilitated transactions he facilitated transactions when he was on the island or whatever certainly he was yeah. a, in charge of a trade charter and i'm not i'm not saying that that's somehow acceptable but number one i think it's like what did you do when you had money you didn't buy slaves cool uh, that they can't necessarily but, prove. My my my, right. my point is this: what I'm, and I'm not saying that it's entirely impossible that it, he didn't own a slave or something. What I'm saying is that the general consensus for the longest time seemed to have been, and seems to still be, 
that he didn't based on his actions that when he came into power, he established the manumission of New York, right? The manumission society and all that stuff, uh, that he was an abolitionist, that there are plenty of writings about him being against slavery. People take him to task because it's like, well, he didn't stand up to Washington or any of the other founding fathers. And I'm just like, I think like, sure, you can say that, but at the same time, I think it's like, if it, that's where it becomes that all like, oh, it's of the time guys, you know what I mean? Which I don't like that argument generally speaking, but I think if something is perfectly acceptable for a time period and you still choose to abstain from it for a moral reason, that's mm -hmm. sort of the equivalent of, of, you know, protesting and shit like that, because it's a world where overwhelmingly it seems like you're outnumbered, you know, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I, I, I recently watched something uh, that was that was a little eye opening to me because I don't know a lot about, you know, the history of slavery in other countries. And uh, apparently um, slavery was abolished in most other developed countries in the world at that point, um, some hundreds of years prior mm -hmm. to uh, America. So like it kind of throws little bit of a wrench into the idea of you know oh it was just the time it was just an accepted thing that the whole world did back then and it's like certainly some countries did but america was really behind the the fucking uh you know uh not ahead of the curve behind the curve what's the what's the colloquial uh saying there uh, they, behind they, the curve, yeah. yeah yeah they were behind the curve um much like they are with uh fucking everything you know like education and uh etc <laughs> Well, well, I think what's Which interesting, interesting about that is like where the world was when the nation was born was like fine with it. I mean, not fine, fine with it, but like more or less fine with it compared to in 1865, the Confederates had reached out to the English for help during the Civil War. And like ideologically, by the way, the British would loved to have helped the Confederacy, you know what I'm saying? Like to take back some piece of the of, of America. But uh, they ultimately wouldn't do it because of the optics of slavery, where they're just like, nah, can't really support that whole slavery thing, even if it's in our best interest politically to do something. I think that's just really interesting that like, even then we talk about progress uh, and how sometimes quick or how long it takes to do that. But um, mm. my point is this, I'm not, I'm not fucking saying anything. I think all, I, if you think about any of it, it's like two things can be true at the same time, that these people did great things does not make them great men. Uh, I think that's a really weird fucking truth that we have to be okay with. Like you can't cancel Thomas Jefferson and then not at least investigate George Washington. I don't care if he manumitted. Oh yeah. Slaves. George Washington was a giant piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. A tremendous but we have, piece we have, of shit. We've mythologized him though. Haven't we? Right. I mean, I mean like uh, George Washington was historically a, a person of privilege who came from a rich family who ascended the ranks much too quickly because of his privilege who basically started the Seven Years' War due to a fuck-up um, and then uh, continued descending the ranks further. And, like, most of his contemporaries didn't respect him by the end of his presidency. It's kind of fucking stunning. But, I mean, he also said at the office that that's sort of, like, the poison pill of the presidency is that uh, you, uh, like, no sane man would want it. Right. Well, so, you know what's interesting I know. is I think it, it, it's, like, I wonder historically if the good presidents are the ones that aren't really liked by many people like at right. least it's got to be a 50 50 I, I really feel like those are the good presidents when you go down to it when you look at like really really high approval ratings on one side or the other that's where it gets a little suspect everyone likes right. reagan for some reason historically if you look at it people think fondly of him but when you investigate and interrogate like the effects of that administration it certainly becomes less 
uh, Sterling, you know what I mean? Like it becomes this problem where I think it's like you need this time away from something in order to really evaluate it. People who go out, like Obama went out 50-50 for the most part, a little bit higher above 50. I know it like it, it, it peaked right before he left office. And I think that's because we were all like, oh, fuck. You know, yeah, we already yeah. miss you, dude. And you're not even <laughs> gone yet. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what happened. Otherwise, he would have left office at like 52%. And then legacy would have been decided by people 10, 15, 20 years from now. I, the people talking about it now, it's a little premature because I don't think we've really seen. And maybe now we won't because we had a president who tried to systematically dismantle everything that he did uh, yeah. and was kind of succeeded mostly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's one thing that Trump has accomplished, you know, we like to say, oh, he didn't really accomplish much. It's like he did. He did actually. He, he accomplished quite a bit. Uh, in terms of being a complete and opposite reaction to the Obama administration. So good on you, Donnie. You did it. Thumbs up. You made America Donald again. Uh, Well, there won't be a Trump musical. Uh, Well, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't bet against it. Trump musical. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be this new 4th of July tradition that people are... bastard son of a rich and powerful tycoon who is racist something something Hamilton, but it's Trump musical. (laughs) That was commitment. You couldn't give me a bar, bro. I was so ready for this bar. You immediately went into like deaf poetry mood. You're just like, everything is a poem. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I'm not saying it would be impossible. I'm saying that it would be amazing if there actually was a Trump musical. But if you put in that effort, <laughs> there's no rhymes. I mean, look, th- this was just in the past minute, you know, like like I was coming up with it uh, off the, t- uh, the top of my head. You know, don't, don't come at me. I didn't hear you contribute anything. You know, I need a collaborator. I need some time. A little bit of space, and uh, maybe we can come up with something. Maybe. Or how about like, uh, how how does a con man, fat guy, build buildings in the sky? Keeps talking till he makes you want to die. Such an arrogant, long tie wearing pimp. Oh, I should have said wimp. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I can't rap. Is what I found out. I'm not a good rapper. I tried. I mean, I, I think that the mistake that we make is that, you know, rapping is something you just do off the cuff, you know, because like Eminem's Eight Mile ruined us. We think that we should all just, you know, be a good rapper. You have to instantaneously just come up with fucking dope rhymes, you know? I think, you know, some people put more work into it than that. Edgar Allan Poe, Christian, he said that he labored over every syllable of every line of poetry he ever wrote, took him months at a time. Well, I can say that I too labored over every word and syllable in all of his books. You're overrated as shit, Poe. Go fuck yourself, Poe. I said it. I hope he hears me in his fucking crypt in Baltimore, wherever the fuck that asshole's from. Piece of why shit. Are you, why are you coming after Poe, man? Poe Drunk asshole. Fucking talking about lit. ravens. Fuck him. What's your problem with ravens, man? They're cool birds. I'll tell you something cool about it. I saw a raven in Desert Pot Springs, but also, do you know that the football team, the Baltimore Ravens, are named so because of Edgar Allan Poe? Yes, Fun I fact. did. I did. Know I didn't that. know that until like two weeks ago. And I How is it that I know nothing about sports and I knew that? Because you're a fucking hipster geek. You you find out the code, the games in between the games. You know what I mean? You're the you're the notes in between the notes kind of guy. All right. <laughs> Don't come at me with your bullshit. You're always looking at uh, You ever see I, I Heart Huckabees where he's like, but if you look in between the cracks, there were smaller cracks. That's you looking for the smaller cracks. I think that the more obvious answer here is that I just happened to hear a random fact and I remembered it. And you uh, didn't look into uh, one of our nation's most treasured sports 
sports uh, franchises. <laughs> They're so treasured. Are they? Do we do we yep. put them on? I guess I like when you think America, you think like the Lakers and the Baltimore the Ravens. Baltimore fucking Ravens, man. America's oh! team. <laughs> is that an eagle? <laughs> that's not a raven. That's a that's a that is what a raven sounds like. That is the noise they make. Birds. Here's the thing. Birds call very similarly, and we don't ever fucking talk about it. Right. I mean, because it's racist to say that. You know, I don't want to be the guy that says, like, right. you all sound the same. <laughs> like, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, you guys all sound different. I can totally differentiate <laughs> the sounds of different bird noises without that's looking gonna at That's going to be, I, I hope that that's, like, where we you go as a that's country. that's going to be the next conversation about, like, race? Like, we're going to move so far past, like, human racial politics we're gonna get into bird racial politics well you would hope so right like so when they when they revive hamilton that is eventually, the they'll oh, do it with, with ravens yeah because it's like they need to imagine themselves in the creation of this of this great nation right so like the 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 you know sort of race switching gambit that lynn manuel uh, miranda pulled off in hamilton will be outdone by the <laughs> species switching gambit that future ravens and other birds you know you'll have like an eagle in there and like a raven like a sparrow yeah you have to yeah. because you because we like and, and i think the one that they're all rallying against is the white dove obviously because i assume the dove still has privilege in the bird world i'm not sure mm. but like come on i can do two plus two you know what i mean swans though swans oh, well, are swans, like well, no, swans they're, are, they're, they're like the poodles of birds man of course yeah they run shit just walking around like they're the hot shit you know, I feel like Jefferson would be played by a peacock because that dude was peacocking all over the stage. Oh, yeah. You oh, know. yeah. What did I miss? Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Whatever his song is. You would have to change some of it. I mean, he can't write his way I out. Think it sh- I think I, I can't imagine changing a word, man. Really? Just He's like, I write birds. my way out. But like, no, think about that. He tries to give him a pen at some point. He can't hold that pen. It's got to be bird related. Put, I fly my way out. Puts it in his bird mouth. Oh, he flies his way out. Yeah, come on. Out of an eye of a hurricane? That's fucking metal. A bird is like, fuck, flying into a hurricane. Like, it's a goddamn action film from the late 90s where people just flew into hurricanes for some reason. This is really a swerve on Hamilton the musical, but with birds. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm giving you the visual. He's in the eye of a hurricane. He's a bird. He flies his way out. It's better than I wrote my way out. I mean, for birds anyway. Right. Unless, unless it's an origin story for bird language and like this bird does write his way out. That'd be incredible. He's the father of language. And the same way that Dante Alighieri is the father of Italian, you know, Italian didn't exist until that fucker wrote Inferno in the common language and then it existed. Right. And then everybody was like, let's talk like this. Yeah, well, I think they were talking like that already. The devil god is spaghetto. I don't know. <laughs> Aside from uh, from Bird Hamilton, uh, so you watched Hamilton finally, man, and uh, I did too. I watched the I watched the the released version that just came out, uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of people's new Fourth of July traditions if we don't yeah. outright. I, hear I mean, Dis- Disney Plus subscriptions like spiked like seventy percent or some shit. Yeah, I saw uh, just from the release of that. Yeah. Which, if we're going to, you know, like celebrate the founding fathers, even though they're super fucking problematic, I think it's a little bit easier of a pill to swallow to see them played by people of color. Because again, as fucked up as it sounds, like the thing that was so powerful about Hamilton to me was I got to see someone who looked like me uh, be a part of this great story that we're told in schools. But I grew up in uh, like uh, on Mount Vernon, dude. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? We're like, oh, Washington's everywhere. Jefferson's everywhere. And like, I grew up not seeing any kind of like reflective or representation 
Hmm. so I think it's like if we're gonna do this, this is probably the best way to do it. You know what I mean? It's better than watching the Patriot, which I do want to talk about in a minute. But uh, like, what would you think of Hamilton, man? You know, what are your thoughts on it? I have a lot of thoughts on it, and a lot of them are like warring thoughts. I'm still grappling with it, and and I I uh, I, I I admire it um, a lot. Um, and it's got some dope rhymes. I see like why Davi Diggs is the big deal that he is. He's fucking stellar. He lit up that goddamn stage. I would say like first impression of it was that Lin 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 Manuel Miranda, not a very strong uh, vocal performer. Um, oh yeah, like at all. Yeah. Um, and I was like kind of shocked by that because at first like he starts off like all like quavery and whatever like talking like how Lin-Manuel talks and I was like oh maybe he's just doing like a young Hamilton thing and as he goes along he'll get more confident it's like no it's just how that dude sounds oh yeah here's really the thing distracted me <clears throat> I don't know if we already talked about this I think we already made some kind of thing maybe last episode we recorded but it's like uh, I, I'm a little less shitty about that because when you're the guy, it's like it's like when someone really amazing writes and directs and acts in their own movie and it turns out to be amazing and you're like, ah, right. fuck it, man. Like, all right. <laughs> Even if that person's like the not good part of that movie, uh, you're still just like, well, he had, he, you know, he was he was juggling three different balls. So I'll be the first one to tell you, compared to some of the other people in that show, oh my God, like, yeah, like there are some actual singers on that stage. The guy plays yeah. Burr is wonderful. Uh, that, that was the thing is like the whole like um, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart versus like Salieri Burr Hamilton dynamic or whatever. Like mm-hmm. Burr just outshines that dude every second he's on stage. Like I want to watch the Burr story more than I want to watch the Hamilton story. Just on the strength of that dude's performance. Like he's on just his, a much more interesting character. To me. On his on his singing for sure. I think the whole point is like Hamilton linguistically. And I think that's they do a really good job of that when they transition from that uh I'm not uh, the first song into uh, I'm not going to throw away my shot. It's like everyone's doing these rudimentary like eight bar like I'm John Lawrence. You know what I'm saying? And then this guy comes in and he's doing triplets and he's like, you know, I think that's like he's supposed to be this this better that way. What sucks is I agree is if he was a stronger singer, there probably wouldn't be this disparity because I agree every time like the dear, dear Theodosia and the room where it happened, anytime where it's like a burr showstopper kind of removed from the other stuff, you're like, Oh shit, this guy's amazing. Um, but that's everyone. I, I think like most people in there are better singers than he is. I, I was critical of his acting late in this one. There's like mm. a really emotional scene and, and it still works. It does, but there's just like a scene where he has to cry and he's just doing like <laughs> that ugly face that Chang does in the mm-hmm. Annie's boobs <laughs> episode. You know what I'm talking about? Where he just squints yeah. really, really hard. And I was just like, oh, not great. But the rest of it, I, you know, I, as someone who saw it live, uh, I get yeah. to watch it again. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, this was. What, what year did you see this? 2016. Yeah. 2016. Uh, I think this show also just hits different in, in the year of our Lord 2020. Um, right. Because I, I can imagine that this was very much a, it's an Obama era show. And it shows like when national pride is still uh, on the horizon where hope is possible. And it's like now we're, we're dealing with a situation where it's nothing but cynicism. We're kind of grappling with the inherent systemic problems that have propagated racism throughout the centuries. And to see a lot of these characters, these figures in history who set up the system that allowed for this to kind of foment and uh, evolve to the point that it has. And I'm talking about racism. Uh, to see them played by people of color, on the one hand, it seems empowering, but on a more sort of cynical side of that coin, it kind of feels disingenuous and almost like a weird 
sort of whitewashing. Um, so that's sort of what I'm grappling with. Hmm. And I, I saw you just squint there, but like what I mean by that is that it's almost as if casting people of color as these white slave owners uh, sort of sidesteps the issue of slavery and makes them seem more virtuous than they actually were. If you were to have them played by white people, you would kind of run into that problem where it's like, oh, it's a little bit too real, mm. if that makes sense. It kind of makes them a little bit more aspirational than they really were. And I know it's not trying to tell the story of what really happened. Um, I think that it's a lot of it. Uh, and what I understand about Lin-Manuel Miranda is that he was, uh, isn't he the son of an immigrant? Yeah. Or I yeah. could be wrong. And and his father was like a professor. He grew up in, uh, was Crown Heights? No, uh, no, no uh, Washington Heights. Washington Heights. I know it was in the Heights somewhere. Um, and that he kind of came from um, uh, a mixed background a little bit, right? Like he he ended up getting accepted into a prestigious school, but he had to do a lot of code switching growing up or whatever. So he saw uh, himself in Hamilton a little bit. So he's more telling his own story than he is telling Hamilton's story, right. which is and an I, interesting way to look at it. And I think the other thing about it too is the fact that to consciously imbue it with as much uh, love for hip hop as a genre, right? Mm. Where, where certain characters are specifically modeled after certain rappers. I think that's what's really interesting about it. Hercules Mulligan is Buster Rhymes. I mean, like that shit's on Front Street. Uh, but it's like, if you're going to use the language of storytelling which i think like you you know this but like not everyone does fucking hip-hop some of the best storytelling we have right now um depending on whose hands it's in and yeah. so to really talk about that to, to where 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 tipper gore and all these people were coming after hip-hop artists because of the coarse language rather than listening to the content of the rhymes themselves which are self-reflections of critiques of of, of, of questioning the authority when it needs to be questioned. I think yeah. that you use hip hop, you then kind of force yourself to use it as a, uh, a cast of, of color because you don't want to then have the other pendulum swing, right? Which is the, you're having a predominantly white cast use the language of people that doesn't, it does, like, doesn't necessarily belong to them. You know what I'm saying? Not saying you can't be a white rapper. There's some very talented white rappers out there, but to use it in the same way, um, Eminem, when he, when he first started, he wasn't doing Bush commentary. You know what I'm saying? It was just rapping. And that's, that's one thing. But to use it for, for the purposes that NWA or Public Enemy or you know, Killer Mike is doing today, it would be really, I think, disingenuous to cast a cast of like all white people too. You know? So it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, I think, when it came to that. Right, which is why I'm saying I have a warring thoughts in my head, but it still doesn't you know, uh, sidestep the kind of problem that I have with the show, which is that it is it, just by the nature of its, its existence and its conception, sidestepping a lot of the bad shit, if not excusing it. Like George Washington in the show is this sort of uh, like this, this fatherly paternal sort of figure uh, throughout the entirety of the show's run, you know? Um, so, so it, like I have a lot of good things to say about it. like the the songs are great and catchy and uh, uh, the 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 way they use the stage and like the mise en scene or whatever is pretty fucking great. Um, I see why people went nuts over it, but I think again, like when we're in this uh, coming off of the George Floyd protests and Black Lives Matter movement, and when we're interrogating all of these different things in our history that are really fucked up, it it hits differently. If I'd seen this in 2016, I think I would have come away with a very different, less complicated feeling about it. Mm. 
I, I can see that, man. Totally. I mean, again, it was released, and I remember like the big thing was when Trump was coming after immigrants. Immigrants, we get the job done, and that was like a rallying cry. And we were all like, hey, it sucks, but we got Hamilton, and Hillary's about to win. And then that didn't happen. And I'll tell you, as someone who loved that show so much, it certainly was a harder pill to swallow. Like, you could listen to that, that album once, and you're like, I'm going. I got good vibes for fucking weeks sure. now, okay? Uh, but then afterwards, it definitely gets way harder to, to keep that same energy uh, when yeah. the world's falling apart. So <clears throat> I don't know, man. I mean, like watching it again, I still I'm so glad that it exists. I do think it's going to end up being one of these really definitive works in our generation. And as a fan of like 90s hip hop, there are so many like little small things that are just so, you know, it's it, it's totally nostalgic. It's totally emotional. I'll grant you that. Sure. Uh, but, you know, to hear like some of the small little uh, references to like Mob Deep or Biggie or any of that stuff, it's like, okay, that's pretty amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, all in, all in service to tell a story that I think we needed to hear at that time, whether that message has been lessened now, like, sh- sure, probably. Uh, I, I but, think it's too early to tell if it's been lessened right. because, I mean, it's obviously an impact. I think the people are looking for something, some sense of that national pride a little bit, you know, like to, to regain a little bit of what's been lost over the past year, and Hamilton kind of gives that to you. And think about you know? this, dude. You you said earlier, drove, like, downloads, right? Like, 70% of people, like, downloads, 70 more yeah. percent or whatever. My point is this, that so many more people are going to see this for the first time, people who may be on the other side of the politics. And think about this. When we talk about the language of compromise and when and how best to reach out to these people it's not by demonizing everything that they're comfortable with you know what i'm saying whether that's warranted or not it's like you almost have to do 70 percent of the lifting to get them to contribute 30 percent. and i think it's interesting that this is a show that clearly wears it's like pro-immigrant status on its sleeve uh this this idea of inclusion that doesn't demonize the founding fathers either because imagine if hamilton did go hard on the founding fathers like there would be this would be even more split like they would make this musical politicized thing rather than right. it just being a work of art you know that's, i mean there, there's a reason that dick cheney liked it right and yeah. it's because it's an easy pill to swallow pretty much and and that and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that i'm not pitching an alternate version of this musical where it's it's super critical of the founding fathers that'd be awesome. i'm just saying that that baked into i mean that would be like i'd fucking watch that um like just uh but baked into the fucking uh premise that there are inherent structural like uh questions it made me me ask you know yeah. um and I, I really think it is like a sign of the times like and it, it'll be interesting to see the legacy of this thing you know 10 years from now how do we think of hamilton uh, yeah, I hope because, so. Because like man. its impact was so immediate and seismic on the world of theater. It's fucking nuts. Like it's unprecedented. Well, I think it's interesting that four years since it came out, it's still I mean, five years since it came out now, it still is hitting that note. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure, it dissipated a little bit, but like people were still listening to that record. It's one of the most listened to albums on Spotify. I just read that report. And now it's it's doing this thing, which I think, like I said, is gonna end up being a lot of people's like new fourth of July tradition, man. Because Independence Day is not that good of a movie. We've just been giving it a pass for 25 fucking years, and it's finally being taken to task by Hamilton. And I'm so excited that we get to address Bill Pullman's bullshit with Hamilton. That's all. I mean, Bill Pullman was like one of the few redeeming uh, parts. (laughs) Wait, are you coming after (laughs) Bill Pullman? He's a fucking pro. He's a sweetheart of that movie, man. He shows strong leadership, stewardship over a dangerous, unprecedented event. He came out as that character to make an impassioned speech about wearing fucking masks. Like, whatever it takes, man, to get through to these goddamn alpha bro (laughs) douchebags that won't wear masks. Like, goddamn it. 
Who's the most conservative uh, character you can think of? Like Archie Bunker. God, we got to resurrect Carol O'Connor's ghost. Like, that's what we got to do. Just get him out there as Archie Bunker. Like, be like, ah, geez. But, like, you know, the point is, wear a fucking mask, guys. (laughs) Right. You're going to kill Archie again. (laughs) You're going to kill Archie again. 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 Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So, like, bring out the most conservative emblem, like, a hero to these people. Yeah. And be like, you're going to kill this guy. Let's let's make a Pepe the Frog movie. Let's put like eighty million into that. Get the, mm-hmm. the DreamWorks guys, uh, Sky Illumination. You know, one of the biggies. Uh, but it's a PSA. <laughs> so we take an alt right character, we give it way too much exposure and way too much polish. Yeah. Uh, but in service of something good, like why not? I feel bad for the guy that made Pepe, and I'm not going to sidestep what you're saying, but I just do want to like quickly say I feel bad for the guy who made Pepe because he's not alt right at all, and it just got co opted by those fucks like everything that they do. It's just stolen from someone else. I don't know, man. It seems pretty racist. I mean, like, I know that it's an association, but just, like, anything that has, like, big lips in that way kind of makes me feel like it's trying to be a caricature. I'm not saying that was intentional. I'm yeah, just I, that was never that. my takeaway, but I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it was a frog. Well, poor guy, man. People take people's work all the time for nefarious purposes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't have any examples, but it happens all the time, mm-hmm. I assume. Alt-right, man. They, they took over uh, Tim and Eric subreddit once just to make nothing but alt-right posts. And they had to like shut it down and retool it and come back with new moderators. It was nuts. Like They take everything. I think the problem is they don't know how to meme. Like If they knew how to meme, I would be way less angry at them. But it's like all their attempts to take over leave me just confused and frustrated. I actually like spent about two hours yesterday looking at a subreddit called the right can't meme. And it's just like bad, like conservative memes that make no fucking sense. It's great. Give me five examples. No, just give me one example. I'm not going to make you do another top five. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll pull up the page. Uh, give me a few seconds. Uh, the right can't meme. Where are you at? Where are you at? I mean, do you want to talk about something while I'm looking this up? You're making me pull this shit up. I want to talk about the Patriot for sure. And I also oh, want to, okay. because, well, because here's the thing about the Patriot is that like there are people actively having the Mel Gibson debate because they're trying to make a lethal weapon five, apparently. I mean, they've been trying for a minute, but they're really trying right. now because uh, they're, they're, they're apparently it's going to address the political climate of cops in this country. And I'm like, oh yeah, because what I think about it, <laughs> like police reform the first two people i think of are riggs and murtaugh specifically riggs because that whole series is about a mentally unstable cop constantly putting himself and others in danger so you know a spokesman i've never i've actually never seen a lethal weapon by the way bro they're great Um, i've got i've got the very top post from the right camp meme uh with seventy nine thousand upvotes which is a lot for reddit uh and it's literally just somebody took like a white van and photoshopped free college, free sex, free kittens, everything free, $15 an hour jobs, free loans, free healthcare, free weed, driver Bernie. And then it's a Photoshop Bernie Sanders driving it, hashtag feel the burn. And then above it is like a tweet from somebody saying, can boomers make a single anti-Bernie meme that doesn't make him look cool as shit? Yeah, I was going to say, what's wrong with that? Like they didn't exactly. figure out the punchline. <laughs> they wrote a joke and then they they, they 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 took us to the precipice and then they just walked off stage like what happened there right you just that's like a free ad for bernie like that's all like those if i was in great. court as a divorce lawyer try to like sue for custody and i'm like you know listen i'm not like there are some things we got to get off right off the bat he is a wonderful 
father. He was always amazing to me. He has no problems with drinking or substance abuse. I, I think that you're Thank also you. missing the hidden gem in this meme is that they wrote free sex <laughs> alongside free college, free healthcare, et cetera. Because like, I'm an American, I pay for my sex. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? I mean, again, they're like Beavis and Butthead. They're idiots who stumble onto truth on accident. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Like, they, don't, they, they, they made the case for them. It's, it's like, don't argue with an idiot because an idiot will eventually make your point for you better than you can make it. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Zip up the hoodie a little bit. <laughs> so I watched The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Uh, <laughs> what a masterpiece. Here's the thing. I... Uh, the movie, the mo- okay, I don't even have enough time to get into it, but I'm just going to say one thing about I it. I want to get into I, it. Okay, this might be a long one. <laughs> well, can I, can I tell you really quickly, just uh, and then I want you to go so deep into it, that my brother watched this movie. I was like eight years old or nine years old when this came out, I think, and we're in Virginia still. And as I told you, Alexandria, Virginia on the Mount Vernon property, okay? And so mm. this movie is totally a revolutionary war uh patriot puff piece basically and all i remember about this is after the movie my brother was like these savages and i'm like what and he's like i just wanted to get up and clap that whole movie and no one would get up and clap like my brother was moved to a standing o in his heart and he was so mad that no one else wanted to clap with him and i was like i mean it's adorable it's such a piece of shit hack script that that this movie has where it just makes the british so cartoonishly evil they literally use nazi imagery and like atrocities committed by the nazis um and like transplant them into revolutionary war times like there's a scene in it where they lock a bunch of uh, revolutionary people in a church and right. burn it which never fucking happened horrible right. like uh war crime it's what never happened it happened in nazi germany though isn't 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 that like that? The cast is fucking stacked. Isn't that Walton Coggins like in an early role who burns that fucking church down? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's him. And then you got Jason Isaacs just being do like he's killing it. I want to give yeah. him credit. Honestly, and I was I was I was rooting for Isaacs the whole time. Like because yeah. he's just so you know charismatic and evil and British. And Mel Gibson is just like a good hard working plantation owner. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that that's the beginning of the movie's problems. Like, because here's here's the fucking thing. People forget about this movie. What I forgot about this movie is the very beginning of the movie. Uh, you see, you know, these black field workers working on this field or whatever, and you're like, oh, this might be like the bad guy or something. No, it's Mel Gibson's place. He's got oh, all these. He's got all these black field workers. They don't have a single line of dialogue for the first twenty minutes of this movie. Oh, and their first line of dialogue is when the British storm in or whatever, because the war has been brought to his doorstep. He doesn't want to fight. Right. You know, he was a madman before, but he doesn't want to fight. I'm a father now. I'm a father or whatever. And he's got all these shitty little white kids and uh, he's, he's doing things. He's working hard. He's plowing the fields himself right alongside the black workers just to show how noble he is. And, uh, and, and at some point the British come up and they're like, Hey, you there, you there, black field worker. We're going to offer you uh, your freedom if you come fight for the British. I'm not doing British accent because I forgot <laughs> to. Uh, and then the, in the first line for, for a black character in the movie, the, the black field worker goes, Sir, I'm already free. I choose to work here. <laughs> and it immediately absolves Mel Gibson of any historical wrongdoing. 
uh they crossfaded to kanye just doing that kanye smile because slavery was a choice max this movie proves mm-hmm. it we went back yeah. and we proved it why didn't uh, they just go work for the guy that was going to pay him well they choose to not get paid <laughs> and like food or trade or you know money but because that, right. that's the one thing i remember from that movie too i remember isn't like heath ledger's in it right heath ledger yeah the hell yeah son. heath ledger is in it uh yeah okay so what i remember is, aside from heath ledger is that the the one of the emotional runners because my boy donald logue is in this you know i love mm-hmm. donald logue oh, uh yeah. he he the, one of the emotional runners is how he's a racist who doesn't like black people and there's a slave <laughs> because the americans have now offered up the freedom if you fight in the infantry for this amount of time they'll free you and then so like the, 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 the to, 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 to raise the stakes or whatever to have a moment of nobility and right before the final battle they have like a shot of him being like your year's up and he's like yeah the slave mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like so you're free to go he's like yeah I'm here because I want to be. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ. Because, <laughs> like, I don't believe that for a fucking second, man. <laughs> like, I got to tell you. Right. It's just such, you know, it's it's legit just one of those movies that's there to make, you know, white people feel a whole lot better about racism and about being a patriot right. in this country. And not 30 minutes into the movie does Mel Gibson go fucking crazy with like an axe and just is covered in blood looking like a crazy person. Like we didn't see the signs back then. <laughs> How did we not? Every movie, every movie at some point he slashed a throat or got covered in someone else's blood. With I a, mean, with he a... literally uses the American flag to kill the villain at the end. I remember that. That's right. Oh no, because he gets fucked up. Right. And he does like some, mm. some swerve like matrix lean to get out of the way of a fucking axe or something. Yeah. And then he like takes the American flag and he's just running in slow motion, covered in blood. It's him versus the main British bad guy on the field of battle. And just fucking just right in. Which him. also wouldn't happen. He's an officer. Like they're in the back. They're not getting right. involved in this. But no, all right. They're not they're not putting themselves right in harm's way. Like what what events had to happen for them to be facing off against each other? But whatever. But here's the thing: whatever. is it is it the right kind of cocktail of dumb, or is it just really bad? Here's the thing that pissed me off the most about this movie: is that I wanted to call it incompetent across the board, but like whoever did the fucking cinematography like deserved an Oscar. Like it looks <laughs> beautiful. It's gorgeous. Like straight right. up, painterly, majestic. Oh, shit, man. And Keep full going. of garbage inside <laughs> the frame. So. I don't know. Watch like it or don't. It's on. J.A. Bayona in that fucking Jurassic Park. <laughs> Just like, I got nothing to work with, but I'm going to make this look fucking I mean, beautiful. <laughs> it's pure schlock is the thing. It's just pure, uh, you know, tropey, cliche schlock. And if you can get past that, I guess it's an entertaining. Um, but what's the best version of schlock? Like, like in re- I, maybe like uh, Ford versus Ferrari was schlocky as fuck, but I kind of liked it a lot. Um, specifically anytime they were in the, the like Ford headquarters with uh, Josh Lucas, just being a prom king, basically <laughs> just being really yeah. bad at people. He's like a cartoon villain or whatever, yeah. but he's not like actively killing children and scoffing in a British accent or whatever. Yeah. That could be cool though. I'm saying like, I think schlock has its points. It has its, it has Dude. its uh, time and place. I love schlock sometimes, you know, that's why I love 80s horror movies, you know, like the, the shitty ones. What's the best fun. schlock film? from the 80s horror like catalog because i, I was talking about freddy freddy 2 like nightmare on elm street 2 
which is schlocky, but it's interesting in, in that it's it's a horror film that is gives all the gratuitous sex parts that would go to women to dudes. So just like mm. a lot of butt and a lot of like almost wang. Ooh. It's really interesting. I got to be honest. It's like might have been this prototypical queer film that now people would really latch on to, you know what I mean? But in a mainstream. I've film. heard that there is like a lot of queer coding in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I've never really like looked into it, but that's like very much like a, a field of study or whatever. Uh, I watched this movie called Society, which I kind of love. I don't even know if it qualifies as schlock. It's almost too competent. Uh, but it's by Brian Usna, the guy that did the gore effects for Reanimator. I oh, uh, worked nice. on with Stu, Stuart Gordon on a lot of things. And uh, the last 30 minutes of that movie, Christian, are like the trashiest, most shocking, awful, wonderful, like uh, 30 minutes of film I've ever seen. I almost made you watch it for like a, uh, a shallow dives. Um, and I might still. Um, but it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I, I got to watch more stuff like that that somehow bucks the trend because – Movies like that I generally never watch. I remember when The Blind Side came out, and I never watched that movie. But I always loved the. There's just a quote from that trailer, and it was like everything picture moment of that that the, the schlock films end up becoming. Which is like she's like, there's one of her white friends is like, you are changing that boy's life, Leanne. And Leanne just like Sandra Bullock takes a fucking moment, tear comes down her eye, she looks up, and she's like, no. He's changing mine. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) There it is. You know what I'm saying? Because like anyone can write that fucking thing. I get really shitty about obvious writing or like when you take the inverse of something and think that that's clever. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We we talked about that with our uh, Game of Thrones season eight reviews or whatever, (laughs) where that's like all of Tyrion's clever lines of dialogue were just an inverse of what was just said to him. (laughs) it doesn't count that's not good writing you can't just rely on the fucking crutch man Mm -hmm. i guess you can what's the best way to get in i mean dolores got into this debate we're like look dude should we just write a really trashy lifetime movie do we try to write something really really good like what what like is the is the uh, the end goal to just get your foot in the door and if so what's the best way to do it i mean like there there is the whole general hospital like uh, just fucking do a soap opera uh, we, we, here's the thing. We know all the tropes and cliches, all of them pretty much, you know, we're right. pretty well versed in that shit. We have a good, a good nose for bullshit when it comes to entertainment. Uh, so we could lean on that. We could be total sellouts. We could be like those dudes from Reno 911, you know, Thomas Lennon, Ben Robert Grant or whatever. I kind of uh, love them. They I literally mean... wrote the book on that. They did Herbie, uh, fully loaded and a bunch of other trashy movies and made a shitload of money doing it. Yeah, I think maybe that's the thing. Like, integrity is kind of a bullshit thing that people can say they want to have, but that means you don't want to play the game. I have this thing about, like, because think about, like, Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson and some of these other fuckers. Like, they they strike big in the beginning, and Mm -hmm. most of the time, rightfully so, like, they're talented. But there is also something about eating shit for years and years and years and paying your dues where it's like, so when I hear Tarantino try to be critical of other people's like, well, you could have done this. It's like you are in a very luxurious, privileged position, man, where like people keep throwing money at you for original long. Yeah. At the right place at the right time. Otherwise, you would still be a video store clerk in some dying town with a foot fetish, you know? (laughs) So it's like... uh, Calm down, dude. Because the foot fetish I've I've dismissed as a like, oh, that's a, a, like an eccentric. It's an idiosyncrasy, right? But like the problem with, with Quentin is like that only works because he's Quentin Tarantino, creepy, right. fucking encyclopedic, weirded, weird guy. Uh, but if he's just Quentin Tarantino, like working down at the now defunct 
video store, you know what I mean? Or just hanging out next to red right. boxes to recommend movies to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Breaking right. then, into people's just... houses to look at Netflix cues with them. I mean, he gets, it gets way fucking creepier is my point. Film has kept him out of uh, like being a serial killer. I'm sure. For real though, dude, like it, it's given him a place to channel all of his rage. He can legitimately get mad at the paparazzi and nobody bats an eye. Cause he's Quentin Tarantino, man. But if How he was a regular he guy, dude, I mean, maybe he's a lovely guy, but you would think he's been, he would have been me too by now. You would think so. I mean, maybe his like foot fetish is the only thing keeping him out of, uh, out of harm's way. You know, maybe that's like the only way that, that he, <laughs> the only thing he's into, you know, it's an insatiable appetite. If he doesn't fill that with filming as much feet as he can, uh, he does way worse. So that's why no one gives him shit. Really. All the actresses right. are like, look, I know the deal. <laughs> like, like I'm yeah, saving a young he woman's like life. kept offering to give me a foot rub, but it wasn't like sexual for me, I guess. So I don't know. <laughs> these these patriots, these poor women who, for the greater good, keep taking an L for the rest of us for Quentin's yeah. sick fucking fetishes, man. 